0: All right, welcome to the uh, Ocean Water Podcast. I'm here today with my good friend, John, and um, thank you for being with us. This is the voice for uh, indigenous water rights, and we'll get uh, into what that means a little bit later. But John, do me a favor and uh, tell everybody where you like to eat when you're at home. What's your favorite place to eat?
1: Oh man, my favorite place to eat... Uh let's see. Cheesecake Factory. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Uh I like Cheesecake Factory. My wife and I always get there. We split the uh oh, what is the name of the dish? It's a it's like a burrito dish and then get cheesecake and yeah,
0: man. Good stuff. So yeah, that's it. It's awesome, man. Who doesn't like uh, cheesecake and burritos? I love it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay, so so tell me, tell me um what are you doing these days and how did you get into it?
1: Uh, Yeah, man. So I'm the executive director of a ministry called Groundswell. Yeah. uh, Got a little surfing term in there, Groundswell Waves and all of that uh, for some of of your listeners. But uh, Groundswell, the concept behind it is to build a growing wave of disciple makers and what I call pioneering leaders. And so we started this actually, I've been kind of rolling as a side ministry for about a year and a half. And in January we went full time with it. Um, it comes out of just this deep desire to see more and more people take ownership for discipling others. And uh, I'm a church planner at heart. We planted a couple churches.
0: Yeah, two of cool. them.
1: And so I've got this entrepreneurial bent. You know, I was actually a business major in college, um, and thought that I would start my own company or or launch some new endeavor and when god called me into ministry church planting kind of became the natural fit you know out of that and so as a process of planting churches god has just uh kind of opened my eyes to mobilizing uh, people from all walks of life and groundswell kind of seeks to do that so we are a global ministry now we got a kind of a presence in a number of different countries and do a lot of training and coaching and yeah things of that of that nature so
0: yeah. You know, It's awesome, man. So, so if, 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 um, I love the entrepreneurial bent, I get it. Um, so if, if kind of current John could speak to young John, what are a few things he might say? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Um, actually
1: it's funny. I, so The first church we planted in 2006 was down in Texas and I had an older staff member on board. His name was John. So I was John and he was John. Uh, and so anyway, they started calling me little John. Well, mm-hmm. if you know anything about the rap culture and hip hop industry, little John is kind of this profane like rap artist. So that was my, uh, that was my handle there for a little while. It was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> You know, if I could say anything to my younger self, I would probably say don't wrap up so much of your identity in what you do.
0: Hard to learn. Um,
1: that was a really hard lesson for me to learn. And, and honestly, I, I learned it through a tough season of some burnout and just realizing that all of the things I was trying to accomplish uh, for the Lord, while all look good in motivation... And it looked like it was advancing the kingdom, and I'm sure it was. I had this dark side of me that was wrapping too much of that up in my own identity. And my ministry became who I was rather than being a child of God, and, you know, rather than find my, finding my identity rooted in Him. And, um, man, I went through so much pain and hardship around separating those two things and realizing that I just need to be faithful to what God's called me to do and live my life for him. Um, the results, you know, God will bring the results. But for me, man, I wrapped so much of my identity into the results and the image and what it looked like and how, how well we were doing. Um, Ryan, man, it wasn't that long ago. It was like four years ago. I kind of hit that burnout season. And I'm, I'm now in my early 40s coming out of some of the stuff I hit kind of during this midlife season of just having to separate, like, dude, you're a child of God, first and foremost, all this other stuff. That's not your identity. And man, that was a hard, hard lesson, but I would definitely tell my younger self, <laughs> don't go down that road too hard. It'll just lead to a lot of stress and, and burnout at the end of the day.
0: So yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the vulnerability. I know all about that. I went through a divorce in 2007 and it was a, very very painful time had to learn life's hardest lessons most most to do mostly to do with personal responsibility which is always a real hoot right <laughs> <laughs> to learn. it's always a total blast to learn about personal responsibility <laughs> <laughs> you wish there was another way other than wonderful papers, school you know? to <laughs> uh, get but, yeah um So okay, so what are you really curious about right now? What what are you interested in?
1: Uh, So, I guess a lot of things, but um, this would be just a random, just want randomness. Good, of of course. When I went on my sabbatical a few years ago, all I ever read was ministry books, Christian books, and all these different things. (laughs) Somebody, I think it was one of my counselors, just said. Read something different, like something just completely different field. And I had never really read biographies and I didn't know anything about United States history. I mean, I learned some stuff I you know in high school and college. But I read a biography of George Washington, and that ended up sparking this like three year. I'm now in my fourth year. I've read the biographies of every president of the United States. I'm yes. all the way up to um uh where am I at now? Nixon. So it's been kind of crazy. So I'm really kind of turned into this history buff and I know a ton now about us history, which is kind of fun. Um, I had a friend just recently kind of introduced me to this world of cryptocurrency, which I'm sort of curious about, like what's the future and the blockchain and, you know, our current pandemic and economies and all that. So I've been doing a ton of research in the last probably three months, you know, on just, cryptocurrency bitcoin litecoin all the different ones Mm -hmm. my friend swears by it i'm not convinced just yet but hey yeah you you never know what the future holds so kind of interesting stuff
0: oh i love that i think i think that there's people wonder like well what do you read and and i read uh, i read my bible every day because i enjoy that but outside of that, I don't enjoy theology books. I don't enjoy church books. I don't, I don't, I don't really get anything out of them. I love history. Uh, I'm like you. I love uh, technology and, and um, I love real life leaders, especially ones that are already dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The, le- <laughs> the leaders that are still alive tend to be promoting what they're doing or what they wrote, which is a little yeah, self-serving. Yeah. I like, I like reading the, the stuff from dead people, there's total, yeah. <laughs> gold, there's total gold in there. I'm totally with you, brother. That's um, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, I'm totally with you. I love reading uh, dead leaders.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I actually read one presidential biography, and the title of it, it was uh, James Buchanan was the president, and he's awesome. super obscure. The title yeah. was "Worst President Ever," which I thought that oh, poor guy, man. I mean, fortunately, they didn't write that when he was still alive, you know. Yeah, but
0: I'd be one of them. <laughs> that's awesome um it's so good so 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 let's make a little bit of a pivot what what would you what would you describe as kind of your your current understanding of like water in the world like what do you know about about water in the world
1: yeah hmm um So I know we have a couple kids we've adopted through World Vision, and uh, they both live in Burundi, Africa. So I've done a little research in Africa and learned a little bit about water there and the process of even just having access to water, clean water specifically. Um, We're hopefully planning a trip there sometime as they get closer to graduation. So we started when they were like six, and now they're – 16 15 i think awesome but just the i mean just in that little microcosm of the world a snapshot of what it takes just to get clean water you know for us it's just a quick one second you know turn on the faucet and for them just to have access to the water i mean it's a you know it's a half day process i mean they've got to you know get the jars walk miles and miles to find the clean water, come all the way back. Um, So I'm really interested in a lot of, uh, World Hope International is a ministry we have also connected in. They do a lot of drilling to try to find clean water for people in the mainland like that. Um, Have have a little bit of experience with some of that. We've adopted a few villages and tried to drill for clean underground um, water Mm -hmm. in Africa. I don't know a ton about, you know, global water supply and things like that. Um, I do know that, uh, you know, in the Middle East, my brother's actually serving in uh, Jordan. He lives in uh-huh. Irbid, which would be uh-huh. Syrian border there. And so yep. they're really dependent on certain types of water, you know, for them. And And water is like gold. I mean, in that part of the world, you know, even biblically, the imagery of, water flowing out of Jerusalem and into the Middle East and all that is that imagery of abundance and I think um, yeah it's life man so I don't know I could probably continue to comment those are a few thoughts that come come off the top of my head uh, yeah no I mean
0: you're you're, uh, you have a wonderful understanding I mean so much of the conversation about this revolves around uh, supply it revolves around access one of the things that I like to to put on people's radars is that we actually uh, have enough water. The water, the world is uh, three fourths water, and mm-hmm. so what we really have is uh, is an access uh, and a distribution problem. So what that means is that we, uh, the challenge of the next the next sort of hundred years for the world of water will be how do we make it uh, accessible and distributable. Uh, especially for the, for the bottom billion, hard to believe uh, that it's a billion person problem, but, but still water and food are are still a billion person problems. Hard to believe, hard to believe that, 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 that's still the case, but that's actually the case. And so it's always fun to just have this conversation and and keep it on, keep it on people's radars. Um, So what do you know about, about what ocean water, about ocean water? What do you know about what we do?
1: <laughs> um, man, honestly, not a not a ton.
0: Yeah,
1: desalinization. I'm assuming of yeah. of ocean water. Um, I know that, uh, like you said, even just with what's happening um, recently, it's affecting global markets. It's affecting food. It's affecting distribution mm-hmm. of water. When countries economies tank, they tend to get more self centered and <laughs> <laughs> um, that distribution doesn't happen, but yeah. man, I don't, I don't know a ton other than I know you're a cool dude and you started some ocean at ocean water. And, uh, I would love to hear more, man. <laughs> yeah, no, no,
0: it, this, thanks for the compliment. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, so, you know, one of, one of the challenges that we face as we move forward is the challenge of, of a distribution and and not, and not just distribution, but also distri- distributing at an equitable cost. So, uh, d- desalinization, uh, that's the process by which uh, salt is removed from water in the ocean. And so, that technology's actually been around since the 60s, 1960. And so, but most of the infrastructure that's been built has been built so that water can still be treated as a commodity. And a com- by a commodity, we mean something that you can charge value for. So uh, a lot of people do work in the uh, commodity side of water where where there's actually a business plan in place whereby you develop an infrastructure and then you charge the recipients so that there's a a business model around that. We don't do that. Uh, Our business model is attached to Grace. And so because Grace is free, we believe that water should be distributed for free. Yeah. And so when we put in uh, a system, say for example in Palmerito, this system uh, is is a community-based system, and this system is set up so that when it functions at its highest capacity, it can distribute uh, 360 gallons of of water every day from from the ocean for free to the 38 families that are that are in Palm So what we're able to do with that is we're able to set the foundation for self-determination, so much of self-determination is built around having your own water and having your own food. So what we find is that if people have their own supply of water that they own and they have their own food, that that's really the foundation for self-determination. And then out of that comes comes work and jobs. What we also find is that if people don't have water and food, they, they have a very hard time with, with work yeah. uh, and, and, and jobs because so much of, of their time is spent Instead of it being spent on work, it's spent on getting water and food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, that's that Burundi.
1: That's the thing in Burundi. I was so yeah. shocked, like hours yeah. and hours and hours, just trying to get water.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so part of what we do is we take the blessings of of uh, being in California. There, a lot of people would like to have what I call California problems, and uh, really. Uh, our problems—not uh, to say that people don't have them, but they're a different set of problems than than people who who don't have water and food. That's a different set of problems. And okay, so, yeah. so what we want to do is we want to—the uh, the Bible teaches us about this, st- about about stewardship, and about uh, the responsibility required uh, of those who who follow Jesus. And really, the idea of following Jesus is that you accept the blessings that you have. But the lesson of discipleship is that with every blessing comes responsibility. And so we, wanna, we, we feel uh, and we accept responsibility to step into this space and provide uh, that infrastructure. We're willing to accept that responsibility. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, good to, it's good to talk with you. And I, and I do love your name. And, uh, and, and when I met you and you told me about it, I said, oh, I like this guy already because he That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, I heard you. Uh, you're a surfer and I thought he probably knows a bit or two about groundswell waves and that kind of thing. So
0: after after 34 years of surfing, you you just accept it for what it is. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's what my father. It's what my father got me into when I was a kid. And I and I stuck with it because I loved it so much. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, look, I, John, I really uh, have enjoyed meeting you in the last year. And uh, I'm really glad that we run in some of the same circles and that we're friends. And, and not not only that, but we, we're going to be planning on doing some work together in the future. That's really exciting. And um, I just want to thank you so much, so much for your time today and your humility and, uh, and your friendship, man. Thank you so much. You got any last wise words for us?
1: Oh man, last wise words. I'm not sure. Uh, I would say uh, I've been walking my way through the Psalms very slowly, uh, in 2020, uh, my daughter, she's kind of a prayer request for everybody listening has battled le- leukemia over the last year. So She's coming out of it. She's at the last phase. And, you know, I think the thought that came to my mind when you said any wise words is just the, um, Just the sovereignty, the power, the magnificence of God in the midst of everything else. I think that's what I'm learning the most in going through Psalms, that when he's on the throne, everything else is okay as we serve him. And I think uh, just looking at him, man, each and every day, it keeps things in perspective. You know what I mean? We have so many little things that happen in our life on a day-to-day basis. So many challenges we have, but just knowing that God is love, he's sovereign, he's powerful. Uh, we can rest in that. And I know I found a lot of a lot of solace in that over the last year. But, man, I appreciate you, too. It's been uh, great connecting. And yeah. I'm hungry to go get some cheesecake, to be honest, right now. So. <laughs> yeah, let's
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, brother.
1: Cool, man. We'll see you.
0: Yeah, have a great day, man. Thank you so much, Sean.
1: Yep.